Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Grant. Thanks for the good morning back. Uh, my name is Grant, one of the pastors here. Thankful to be here with you guys. Thankful for the opportunity uh, that we have this morning uh, to jump into God's Word. So thanks for being up here this morning. Uh, you can go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 5. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 if, if you're watching uh, from home or online, I invite you to use your uh, tablet or device or whatever you have uh, next to you, uh, whatever copy of God's Word you use to go ahead and uh, turn to Matthew 5. This morning we are continuing in our series of Kingdom Life as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus is uh, speaking here. Jesus is the one uh, speaking, talking to followers of Jesus, those who have taken the step to follow Jesus, and he's telling them, what kind of life they need to live. Um, so if we, are, if we are to live as if we are in the kingdom of God, living this kingdom life, we need to do these things. And that's what we see in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all throughout the word of God. And what Jesus is telling us here is that if we're going to call ourselves a follower of Christ, we need to look the part. Um, you're going to uh, see a few things on the screen, not just yet, but it's something called the Tell Me Challenge. You may have heard uh, about it. Uh, it's referred to as the Tell Me Challenge. What it is, is you would show somebody an image or a video and pretty much tell them something about yourself without actually tell them, uh, without telling them something about yourself. And so I'm going to give you guys a few examples uh, uh, to, try, to try to get the idea of what the Tell Me Challenge is. Uh, first one is Tell me you're a dog family without telling me you're a dog family. There you go right there. Uh, next one is tell me you're a cat person without telling me you're a cat person. You'll see that uh, back car decal there. Uh, tell me you're a Cowboys fan without telling me you're a Cowboys fan. Room decked out with cowboy gear and attire. Tell me you overuse duct tape without telling me you overuse duct tape. Yeah, don't, don't do it. It's dangerous. will not work out. And then tell me you have a difficult child without telling me you have a difficult child. That's a sweet family photo there. <laughs> so the, the idea here for this challenge is that you're telling people things about you, about yourself, without actually telling them. You're using images, video, whatnot out there to tell people things about you. Uh, but here's, here's what we're talking about this morning. Here's what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, in the passage we're reading. Tell me you're a follower of Jesus without telling me you're a follower of Jesus. That our actions, the things we do, the things we say, how we act and treat others, tells people that we're a follower of Jesus without actually telling them. So tell me you're a follower of Jesus without telling me you're a follower of Jesus. When the Sermon on the Mount, the passage we're going to look at this morning, uh, Jesus is saying to do these things. He's telling uh, these followers, these believers, you have to do these things. These are the things that you need to be obedient to. And it's, ta it's talking about what the Bible says. And it's worth noting that we as followers of Jesus, those who have made the decision to follow Christ and give our lives over to him, we are obedient to what the word of God says. We take the Bible in its entirety. We're not just saying, hey, just do these things today and you're good to go. That we take this passage as well as all the scripture and we apply it to, to our Lives. We apply it to our lives. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And our big idea this morning, it's going to pop up on the screen for you guys, is simply this. Here's the charge, church, that we would die to self and that we would love selflessly. They pretty much go hand in hand or about the same thing, that we would realize that we are putting 
others before ourselves. We're putting Jesus before ourselves. Uh, some of you may be uh, NCAA fans, uh, especially when it comes to basketball. Baylor recently won the men's uh, championship, and the Baylor's coach, uh, their theme and motto was joy, that they would uh, do joy, they would practice joy. Jesus, others, and yourself, that they would put Jesus first, then others, then themselves. And that's what we're going to look at and talk about this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, if you will read along with me. Uh, verse 38 says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39 says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So verse 38 opens up with uh, this phrase, you have heard. We see it six times in Matthew chapter 5, and he's using this phrase to remind them of what the old law says, and as he's teaching them the new law. And what Todd talked about a few weeks ago, it's like when you have an acorn. We're not smashing the acorn, but we're planting it and allowing it to grow, and that's what Jesus is doing here with the Old Testament. We're not smashing it. We're taking it, and we're seeing how it applies to the New Testament, and he's teaching them these laws of how they need to look at the Old Testament and how they need to view what he is teaching them. So it says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, this is, uh, uh, can be found in Exodus chapters 21, Leviticus 24. It can be found in the book of Deuteronomy as well. Uh, we see in Exodus, hand for a hand, a foot for a foot. Uh, you see in Leviticus, a life for a life, a fracture for a fracture. Uh, and so he's pretty much saying this law, an eye for an eye, he's referring back to it. Now this law, if you were to go back, was given to place limits on things. It was to place limits on how people, how people retaliate. Because the problem with us is that we never go one for one. We always got to make sure we have the upper hand. We always have to escalate things, like Georgia escalated things against the hogs. So the command was given so that if someone were to steal your goat... If someone were to steal your goat, you wouldn't go and kill them. It's to say, hey, if you're going to re retaliate, we just want to do an eye for an eye. It's not even saying that you have to repay it, but it's saying if you were, let's watch ourselves. But can you imagine if we were living in a world like that today, like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Someone wronged me, and I'm going to go take their tooth. Like, come on. It'd be like Mortal Kombat out there or a low-budget Steven Seagal film, whatever you choose. But we're given four different situations in this passage, four different situations here that affect the individual, that affect the individual. So in all four, we see how to respond. And in all four instances, they're a threat. They're like stepping on our toes to our personal rights, to our personal rights. So these things are stepping on our toes. So like who in their right mind isn't going to slap someone back when they get slapped? Right? Who in their right mind is going to give up more items when somebody tries to, tries to take them from us, when somebody tries to sue them or sue us? Who is going to give up your time to not only carry somebody's stuff for one mile, but for an extra mile on top of that? Who is going to give their money to someone when, it, when it's mine? I worked hard for that. These things infringe. They step on our rights. But Jesus is telling us how we are to live righteously. These things we're reading about are pride killers. They, they hurt us because we don't want to be walked on. We don't want to be taken advantage of. But Jesus is, is suggesting this radical response 
that instead of demanding that our rights be protected, we just give them away freely. So our first point this morning is die to self, meaning no more me, but all of what God wants. Less of me, more of him, not my wants, but his wants. And so remember, tell me you're a follower of Christ without telling me you're a follower of Christ. So look with me, verse 39, we are told that if someone slaps us to offer them the other cheek to slap as well. As opposed to, you do this, now I'm going to slap you back. Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. Turn the other cheek. That's not how it's supposed to be. And so like with you, the person you're sitting beside, if, if you were to flick them, what happens? They flick you back. And then you realize they flicked you harder. So you've got to flick them back even harder. And it just keeps going back and forth, on and on. You want to make sure you get the biggest hit. The problem is that with us being sinners, we do not go for one for one. We want to get even. You can stop flicking each other now. Um, we always try to escalate things, though. We try to make sure the person knows not to mess with us next time. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying don't do that. So what is your response when someone insults you? What is your response when someone says something that hurts you on social media? What about when someone cuts in front of you in the child pickup line? Like, don't even go there. Don't do it. What is your response when that family member coming up on Thanksgiving or Christmas throws some jabs at you? What is your response? And Jesus is calling his followers to be a people that absorb these, that we endure it. We let people step on our toes. What I would do and what I should do are not the same thing. They're not. We need to die to self, die to self. He goes on to say in verse 40, he gives another example. If somebody were to sue you, uh, he says, and so in Jewish law, uh, a man could never uh, be sued for his outer garment, for his coat. Uh, but it was legitimate to sue someone for their inner garment, for the shirt. And so Jesus says, if they sue you for your shirt, go ahead and give them the, uh, your coat as well. Give them both. Go the extra mile. Turn the cheek. Give them more than what they actually wanted. In the church in Corinth, Paul is writing them a letter, and he calls them out because they just started suing each other. He said, this, this is a poor representation of the body of Christ. You need to do better towards one another than that. You need to treat each other better than that. He's saying, stop suing. He said, we are called to a high standard. Live a kingdom life now. Paul even goes on to say, to just accept the injustice. Just accept it. He says, let them cheat you. Like, that's not in us. That's not who we are. And then he says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? The next, the next example, he says, if a soldier asks you to go one mile, he says, you go too. In uh, this time, it was common for a government that had just taken over a territory or a, uh, an area uh, to commandeer someone. And so in this time, it would have been the Romans who had uh, uh, taken over uh, the, this area of Palestine. And so these people were used to seeing this. A Roman official would come up and say, hey, I need you to carry my baggage for a mile. And you'd have to drop everything, carry their stuff for however long they wanted you, uh, for however long they wanted you to for up to a mile. And Jesus is saying, you know what? If that happens, carry it a mile and then carry it a second mile after that. Go the extra mile for them. That's the heart. That's the attitude we are supposed to have. That's the attitude and heart that we're supposed to have. So in the middle of your day, you could be going about your own work and have to stop and help someone. 
And so this would be easily a form of resentment that people living in this area would easily begin to hate and be mad at these Roman officials. And Jesus is saying, stop. Do not treat them that way. He says, when you're asked to go one mile, go a second. Uh, the next example, verse 42, we are told to give to those who ask, give to those in need. We shouldn't struggle with letting go of what is ours. If we have something and we're able to give it, then give it. It's his anyway. We should be generous with how God has blessed us. By all means, use wisdom. By all means, use your better judgment. If you may not choose to give somebody a $5 bill, but instead want to give them a drink or a meal or a blanket, by all means, do that. Use wisdom and your better judgment. But if we have been blessed by God, may we be a blessing to other people. We need to rid ourselves of these tendencies, of our habits that say, hey, what I want over what others want, what I want over what Jesus wants. We put others before ourselves. Die to self. Tell me you're a follower of Christ without telling me you're a follower of Christ. And you may be sitting there thinking like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, hit the brakes, stop. So like, if I start doing these things, it's going to change me. Like, I'm not going to be me anymore. Like, I'm going to have to start being nice to people. I'm going to have to start forgiving people, start loving people. I'm going to have to, like, go out of my way to help other people. Like, that's not who I am. That's going to make me different. Yeah. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. George Mueller, you're going to see a quote from him up on the screen. He, he writes, says, There was a day when I died, utterly died, died to George Mueller. In his opinions, his preferences, taste, and will, died to the world. Its approval or censure, he said, died to the approval or blame of even my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to only to show myself approved unto God. He was able to die to self. Die to self. Galatians 2, verse 20, is going to be up on the screen. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That we live for him, who gave his life up for us. Uh, continue reading with me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. It says, you have heard the laws that say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Uh, it's important to note here that hate your enemy here, uh, what Jesus is saying is based off a traditional, and it was a, a mistaken interpretation of the Old Testament that they were believing and they were practicing. But Jesus says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard that the law says that. But he's saying, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting as true children of God, of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Jesus is saying that we must love our neighbors and our enemies. Pray for them. Be kind to them. Luke 6 goes on to say, do good to them. Bless them. Show them kindness. So now we're not only saying give up your rights, let your toes get stepped on, endure the burden, endure the injustices. But he's saying, you know that person that wronged you? You know that person that did those mean and hateful things to you? 
You need to love them. You need to love them. And for some of you guys, you, you've been hurt. You've been hurt for a long, long time. A long time. You're still hurting from what happened. And you may have every right, every right to harbor anger against them. But so did Jesus. And Jesus chose to forgive. And Jesus chose to love. And we're commanded and told here to do the same. Brings us to our second point, to love selflessly. I know somebody hurt us. I know we view certain people as enemies towards us. But we need to love them as Jesus loved others. Love selflessly. Put others before ourselves, regardless of what they've done to us. Verse 45 says, and by doing so, we're acting as true children. It says, true children of God. So by loving all people, we do not, we do not become children of God. But because we are children of God, we do what God has commanded to love all people. We display the work of God in us by how we treat others, by loving others selflessly. We do not become children of God by our own works. Christ has done the work for us. And we realize what he has done for us, and in response, we live our lives for him. It says, verse 45, for he gives sunlight and sends rain to the evil and the good. To the evil and the good. Like some of those people don't deserve good things to happen to them. Do you have any idea what they've been doing? They don't deserve good things to happen. Why is God doing this? Because he's a God of love and a God of grace. God of love and a God of grace. So if you love only those who love you, how are you any different than the rest of the world? Tell me you're a follower of Christ without telling me. He likens those people. He likens those people to, remember, corrupt tax collectors and pagans. How are you any different? So a few questions for you guys just to, to think about. When was the last time you loved someone who wronged you? When's the last time you prayed for someone who wronged you? When's the last time you went out of your way to do good to someone who hurt you? Man, they hurt you. But you went out of your way instead to do good to them. And when's the last time you made an attempt to bless someone who cursed you? We need to love selflessly. Jesus loved those who wronged him. Jesus prayed for those who had and would wrong him. Jesus did good to those who wronged him. Jesus spoke blessing to those who wronged him. And we ought to do the same. When Jesus was put through these injustices, Luke 23, verse 34 is going to be up on the screen. When the people he loved turned on him, his response was this. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are doing. And so how can I love my enemies? You may be sitting there asking, well, how can I love them? You can pray for them. Do good towards them. Bless them. Go out of your way to encourage them. Go out of your way to show kindness to them. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. If they keep coming at you, keep loving them. 
May we show less of us and more of him. And we come to the end of chapter 5, and we come to the end of what Jesus has just gotten done telling us how to live, how to act, how to behave. And I feel like, like he drops this, this hammer down, like he, he drops this weight on us in verse 48. It says, but you, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, uh, we can look back, Leviticus 19, verse 2 says, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. You know, we're told there to be holy. We're told here that God is asking us to be perfect. Perfect for me, I mean, that's like something you shoot for, but something you can't attain. You can't reach perfection. Uh, there's going to be some photos that pop up on the screen of some stories of what we may say or describe as being close to perfect, something that may be able to reach just a, a glimpse of, of perfection. A perfect game in Major League Baseball is a game by a pitcher. Sometimes they actually do a group of pitchers that are able to reach this that last a minimum of nine innings and no batter reaches on base. No batter reaches on base. Over the history of Major League Baseball, spanning over 100 years, there have been 23 perfect games, and that's it. Done by one of the guys up there. You see his picture up there of uh, Sandy Koufax. A few of the other guys, Catfish Hunter, I had to throw him out there because his first name's Catfish. So, um, and Randy Johnson. But 23 true perfect games. Uh, in the class of 2020, uh, 1,670,497 students took the ACT, and only 0.334% scored the perfect score of a 36. In 1976, the picture on the middle of your screen in Montreal, Romanian athlete Nadia Comaneci became the first gymnast in Olympic history to be awarded the perfect score of 10. The legendary chess player Bobby Fischer, you see his picture there, he was named to ask his perfect game, called a chess master, and he pointed back to his time playing for what they called the Rosenwald Trophy in 1956 in New York, and he was 13 years old at the time. And he points back to that game, but he says it wasn't perfect. Fisher said there is no perfect game in chess. So we are human and we make mistakes. And so we can look back at stories of what we think are examples of perfection. But for us, perfection is defined up as by attempting something within just a few minutes or a few hours. And we're told to be perfect. Our lives are supposed to be perfect. Like it's not something you just do for a few minutes or a few hours. Living our lives for Christ, for Jesus, does not take place over the span of a few hours. It doesn't take place just on Sunday mornings. It's every single hour of every single day. Every single hour of every single day. But the thing is, like, we can strive for perfection. We can shoot for it and aim for it. But we ourselves, by our nature, we cannot do it. That on my best attempt... On my best day, I cannot reach perfection. I can't do it. You can't do it. And you may wrestle with it. Well, if I try this or stop doing this, we can't do it. We'll never reach it. So how can we be perfect? Uh, David Mathis, I love what he says about this, uh, about the perfection Jesus talks about that we are to strive for here. He says in this quote up on the screen, it says, It is the perfection of a heart that finds so much fulfillment and satisfaction in the God of grace that is able to extend grace to those who don't deserve it. That we are so overwhelmed and overcome by how God has loved us, by what he has done for us, that in return our hearts too are able to extend 
grace to those who don't deserve it. So how can we be, be perfect? We're told to be mature and complete and not lack anything. Run the race with endurance to press forward. We can do so by striving in our character and how we love others and our holiness and our maturity. We try each day to be more and more and more like Jesus and less and less and less like ourselves. We try to be like the one who was perfect. We try to be like Jesus each and every day. Die to self and love selflessly. He was perfect. He lived a sinless life and gave up his life for you and for me. Tell me you're a follower of Jesus without telling me you're a follower of Jesus. Less of me and more of him. And so if, if people step on my toes, if people step on my rights and put me through difficult things, put me through injustices, and I feel like I need to owe them and pay them back, we need to die to self. Love selflessly. Endure the burden of others. Endure it. You know that person that wronged you, the person who's being hateful to you, the person who says those things and does those things over and over and over to you. Love them. Put them first before yourself. Die to self and love selflessly. And maybe you're out there thinking, like, you know, even on your best day, you're not going to be able to do that. But you can't treat somebody that well. You can't forgive somebody. You can't love somebody like that. They are your enemy, and it's going to stay that way. I can't attempt to do that. And I would say, you're right, that we cannot do that on our own. But we have God who can help us. We have his word. He has sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, that we as believers, followers of Christ, lives inside of us and leads us. We have the ability, because of what God has done for us, to live this way. It is not within our own human nature to do that. But it's because of what he has done for us and given us that we are allowed and able to do this. No longer our way, but his. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 27 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Verse 27 says, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Church, we need to die to self. We need to love selflessly. Follower of Jesus, follower of Christ, I encourage you guys just to read over the Sermon on the Mount as we're studying through this, as we walk through this, just to be reminded of how Christ has told us to live, how we can tell others that we're a follower of Jesus without actually telling them. We've been told to live a certain way, to act a certain way, to respond to injustices a certain way. And church, we need to do it. We need to live that out. We need to let people see it. You've been wronged. You've been hurt. Live for Christ. Live for Christ. How do we know that Christ loves us? Because he gave himself up for us. He was selfless to the cross, paying for our sins. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And maybe you're out there sitting out there this morning thinking like, well, I've never really made a big decision, made a big commitment to, to live my life for Jesus or to follow him. We want to invite you to do that this morning. There's going to be somebody back at what we call our Connect Corner that would love to have a conversation with you, to talk to you about how you can take this step to follow Jesus. That you can realize that we sin, we fail, and that causes separation between us and God. But God sent his son who lived a perfect life, a sinless life for you and for me. That if we would simply believe in him, that he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and that he overcame the grave, defeated death, giving us victory over death as well. That you can be a believer in him, that you can follow him today. We invite you to do that. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, tell me you're a follower of Jesus without telling me you're a follower of Jesus. And we die to self and we love selflessly. We'll pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning, God, giving you thanks for the life you lived. For the payment that was paid for us and our sins, God, on the cross. We celebrate the fact that you overcame the grave three days later, defeating death, giving us victory as well, Father. But God, there are some this morning, God, who are going through struggles. We haven't loved somebody well in a very, very, very long time. We're still holding on to anger and hate and bitterness, and we like to slight people time and time again. God, change our hearts. Change our minds. May we live our lives for you. May we die to self and love selflessly, Father. We pray that we would be a people that is changed by you. We ask all these things in your son's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.